Hi, this is Maya Wynn from Envy of None, and you're listening to Michael's Record Collection. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to Michael's Record Collection, episode number 67. Very excited about this episode because I'm bringing you my interview with Envy of None lead vocalist Maya Wynn. If you don't know the name Envy of None, well, maybe you know the name Alex Lifeson, the guitar player from Rush. His new project is called Envy of None. They put out their uh, self-titled debut album earlier this year. So I spoke with Maya, and she was kind enough to spend quite a bit of time talking to me about this Envy of None debut album. She also talked to me a little bit about a solo album she's got upcoming, and she's a very good solo artist in her own right. Uh, she talked to me about her influences, working with Alex Lifeson, and a whole lot more. Lots of topics covered. Before we get to that interview, I would like to remind you, you can follow me on social media. Follow Michael's Record Collection on Twitter, at Mike's Records. They won't give me enough characters to spell the whole thing out, so it's just at Mike's Records. And it's Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you want to find out about the free newsletter you can get, Michael's Record Collection newsletter, go to michaelsrecordcollection.com, and there's plenty of info there, and you can uh, there's a link there you can sign up for the newsletter. It comes to your email every week. If you like what you hear, and if you like the newsletter, and if you want to uh, support independent writing, independent podcasting, uh, please consider visiting my Patreon, patreon.com slash michaelsrecordcollection. Uh, just go check it out, check out the different levels, find one that is right for you. If you have any feedback for me, you can always reach me at michaelsrecordcollection at gmail.com. All right, uh, very excited to get this interview to you, so let's get right to it. My interview with Maya Wynn. Here we go. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to Michael's Record Collection. I am excited to have with me for my guest for this episode, Maya Wynn. Uh, Absolutely stellar recording artist on her own, but also the voice of Envy of None. Welcome, Maya. Thanks for being with me. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate your time. I am uh, I am excited to get into this Envy of None first album, which came out April 8th on K-Scope Records. But I want to talk a little bit about you first, because uh, I've been enjoying your solo catalog recently, and uh, also... I want to go back in time and take you back to your your musical roots and and ask you what what was your first favorite record? Mm. That's a good question. I feel like there was a no doubt record that I used to listen to a lot when I was younger, and then I got really into Avril Lavigne <laughs> as a kid. Um, but we listened to a lot of Duran uh, Duran and. Queen. There's a Queen album that was on play a lot in my house mm-hmm. uh, growing up. Radiohead was also something we listened to a lot. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic was one that I had on ro- rotate a lot when I was little. Um, I think that there's just a lot of diverse influences happening there, but somewhere in there. And then Nora Jones, um, her debut record was one that I listened to a lot um, also in the, in the mix there. So it's hard to say somewhere in all of those. <laughs> okay. 
That's that's good. What are you from a musical family then? Do you does everybody play instruments or are you the kind of the pioneer? My dad plays piano um and I remember he sort of inspired me to learn the piano early on. Um and I have a grandpa that plays banjo and mandolin. But um other than that there's not really a lot of musicians in my family. Um my you know my mom can play maybe like a song in the piano and same with my brother but um I kind of am the and one of the only sort of main musicians. I do have a great uncle, Ralph Towner, who's a pretty famous classical guitarist that I I did get to meet him recently, but he's sort of distantly cool and I've heard about him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I would like to know about the butterfly wings. You were performing with butterfly wings? Yes. Yeah. Actually, when I first started performing in coffee shops, I was 16 mm-hmm. and I had a regular gig at this local coffee shop in Montana and I would play inside in front of this giant window and I was trying to think of a way to sort of draw people in and there was this um drag store called Carlos One Night Stand and they had these giant beautiful butterfly wings and I was like oh my gosh that's perfect I want to wear them on you know when I'm performing in this coffee shop and uh I would dr- get all dressed up I had my dress on and the butterfly wings on and I would play in in the window and it would draw people in and and uh I just really enjoyed it it really helped me sort of feel like it was a it was an event you know I got dressed mm-hmm. up I had my wings on I went and played my show and uh but yeah it all kind of started with those first first shows at that coffee shop <laughs> Are you still using the wings or is that a thing of the past now have you moved on from that I still wear them sometimes. I have a new pair of wings. <laughs> the original ones got kind of beat up. These new ones are getting kind of beat up too. Touring, you know, you got things moving around. Hard to keep the wings from getting smushed <laughs> in the car. Yeah, but yeah. I still wear them sometimes. It kind of depends. I I should have worn them at the last gig that I did. There was people that were like, "Oh, I'm sad you didn't wear the wings," but it's so funny. I think I got. I got some negative comments from people about the wings and then it made me self-conscious about them. It's so funny the things that people like <laughs> have oh, opinions man. about, but <laughs> I like them. I think it's fun and you know, not everything's that serious. You can wear some wings. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, haters are going to hate, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it, especially lately we've learned that if you if you worry too much about what other people think, you're never going to get anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your solo output. Uh, is is all of this digital only? Do you have physical product? I wasn't clear on that when I was looking at your, your band camp. Yeah. So what I've done mostly over the past like 10 years really is I've, I've always made CDs to sell, sell at my shows, but they started out very homemade. And then we now we get them ordered and, and they're more professional, but they're still sort of like a compilation of like they're called Collections Volume 1 and Collections Volume 2. Mm-hmm. And it's, some of them are demos, some of them are studio recordings and singles. And it's just a variety. And we sell those at shows. But right now I'm working on my debut album um, officially. And it'll be released later this year as an official release that people can actually order the physical copy. And hopefully we'll have vinyl as well. But it's been a long time coming. I feel like I've I've written so many songs and I've recorded a handful of songs, but for very specific projects and things and so I haven't really really sat down properly recorded 
a handful of songs that I sort of chose to be my record and that's what I'm doing right now and I'm really excited for it. I think it's been a long time coming and I'm excited to have a, a physical CD that people can order that's like, you know, everything's planned and, and designed <laughs> and yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, that's that's great news. That's exciting. Now, is this is this all new material that hasn't been out before? Is it is some of it called from your EPs? How, what's the makeup of this? Yeah, it's all new recordings. Um, yeah, it's it's songs that if people have been following me for a while, some of them will be familiar to people, and some of them I haven't really put out there at all before. Um, it's a really interesting variety of songs. I have songs that I've I wrote when I was sixteen that I've just been sort of ones that I've performed for years now. And then I have newer songs that hasn't, haven't really been recorded or released anywhere before. I have an alternate version of Old Strings, which is on the Envy of None record that yeah. will be on my album as well. And it's an eclectic variety. And right now I'm trying to figure out how to make it feel cohesive and how to make sure all these songs like flow in an interesting way and feel like a complete record and not just a bunch of random different songs, <laughs> you know, strung together. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the the Lucy Gray Baird releases. These are, if if memory serves, this is a, a Hunger Games reference? Yeah. So there was a prequel book to the Hunger Games that came out. Um, I think it was in 2019 and maybe 2020. But it came out and, and this, the book is full of songs that are just lyrics, you know, basically just long poetry. But there's supposed to be songs in the book and the lead character is the singer-songwriter and she's singing all these songs throughout the book. And, and my uh, housemate was reading the book and she was getting really frustrated because she couldn't imagine what the songs would sound like. And she's like, you need to read this and you need to make all these songs real so I can enjoy this book more. <laughs> and uh, I, when I was reading the book, I couldn't really help myself from imagining melodies and imagining how these songs would sound as actual mm -hmm. songs. And so I recorded one and I put it up on YouTube. I sort of dressed up as the character and uh, it did really well because there's a lot of people reading it also wondering the same thing. And so people really loved it and they were like, do all of the songs in the book. And so I did <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. And it was a really fun sort of just uh, exciting and different process for me. And, um, it's such a, the Hunger Games has such a huge fandom. So it was like tapping into just this sea of people who all, you know, love this book and love these characters. And, um, you know, and I've always enjoyed the Hunger Games books too. So it's really cool to sort of be wrapped up in that world. And, mm -hmm. um, I even got like fan mail and, and fan art of me as that character. And, um, <laughs> like these videos just really took off and I had them up on Spotify for a while too, but I ended up having to take them down because Lionsgate acquired the rights to the book and they're going to make a movie out of it. And then it mm. was like this whole legal thing and it was a, it was a battle, but I got my videos back up. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, they should, they should have, I mean, that's a natural tie in. You, the work's already done. Just give you the soundtrack. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's great. I, I, I enjoyed the, the hunger games. I don't remember when I read it. It was, it's been a long time, but I used to uh, read stuff that like uh, my daughter was reading at the time and stuff like that. So yeah, that's pretty yeah, cool. Really great books. And, and it's a really vast world and, and like, it was such a, a different, feeling for me as an artist like up until that point you know the envy of none record hadn't come out yet i had sort of built a a fan base online by putting out covers and and 
it wasn't a huge fan base, but you know, it was a, it was a small, smaller fan base and, and I had covers out and we did some advertisements and stuff. And, um, you know, I would say like half of my interactions online were like guys that weren't really interested in the music and were asking if I was married and wanted to have their children. And it was <laughs> oh, just no. really weird. And then with the Hunger Games fandom, it's just like, it's like a lot of younger people who love to read. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a different audience. You know, like you could see the numbers were so different. People would actually watch a four minute video from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And they would write really sweet comments. Like I have so many comments on these, these videos that are just like invested and they care and they're kind and they want to ask me questions about the book and like what I thought about it. And um, they just send me these really thoughtful messages all the time and I get letters in the mail and it was just like, wow, this is so <laughs> cool. It's such a different world for me. And like people who were just really invested in the music and yeah. loved it. And it was just like, it was my first sort of step into that kind of world and like having those kinds of fans who are really truly invested in you as a person and like the music that you're making. And it was like mind blowing for me. <laughs> do you get asked to like do um, hunger games conventions or anything like that? I haven't, but I should, I should just go, I should dress up <laughs> as the character and just see what happens. Cause I think that would be really fun. <laughs> yeah, That'd be a good time. So I don't want to go through all of your solo stuff, but there are two songs in particular I wanted to ask you about because I've been listening to them a lot. Actually. Uh, the first is a uh, fearless girl. Uh, recording that was on um, I forget it was on Tidal or Spotify with the Portland Cello Project mm-hmm. um, I just love this song it's got a very uh, I think a positive message about not letting go of the the fearless girl that you used to be I, I really enjoy it I just w- wonder if you could tell me a little bit about the you know the genesis of that song yeah I mean that song is really personal to me I, I wrote that I was processing a lot of stuff from my childhood and, and I ended up reconnecting with my best friend from middle school and we sort of, we had had a falling out and, um, she and I reconnected and, you know, we talked to each other about stuff that we had both been going through as kids, but never talked to each other about, you know, Mm -hmm. when we were going through it. And it's sort of just this realization of this shared experience that we were having, but didn't have the words to sort of, or the, the safety and confidence to really talk about it you know it was just something that we were both realizing we had gone through and and I had had similar conversations with so many friends of mine who had gone through these things and it was just that frustration of feeling like we didn't have a a way to communicate 
all of these these complex issues and and she had said something along the lines of like I just I really wish or I really miss those fearless girls that we used to be and that stuck in my head you know and just that that phrase and that feeling and and over the next few days I wrote that song and and it was just that that feeling that feeling of of losing a piece of innocence but not just innocence you, you lose your confidence you lose your sense of safety you lose your sense of self and you you lose your sense of of joy at times and that that naivety of just like feeling like nothing can hurt you because once you're hurt you realize anything can hurt you and mm -hmm. it just it shifts your perspective it shifts your sense of self and your sense of safety and anyone can go through that but i think it was just realizing so many of my friends had gone through that same feeling and um wanting to make something that that was encouraging and mm -hmm. acknowledged those feelings and made people know that that this is a collective feeling and you're not alone and there's hope and we're going to hold on to that we're going to find that again we're going to find that joy again and that sense of freedom and joy and life and um and when we made the music video for that song, I wanted it to be really meaningful. And we had a lot of, I did an open casting call just for people who wanted to be in the video. I said, here's the song. You know, I don't have a lot of money, but this is what it's about. I'll pay you what I can. And um, because of that, it was just people who were really moved by the song and wanted to be a part of that, that really showed up for it. And I cried so much while we made that <laughs> video. It's like all these women that were like, you know, they're singing along to the lyrics and, and, and. There's especially one woman who had just gotten out of a really bad domestic violence situation and she was just bawling and, and I just remember crying with her and we went through this and it was just a really moving experience and um, I specifically wanted to raise awareness for MMIW, which is Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women um, USA. I partnered with that organization. It's a nonprofit and um, and right now 100% of the, the song sales and proceeds go to them and it's a... Uh, um, for those who don't know, there's a an epidemic in this country of indigenous and native women who go missing and are murdered. They're, I think, over ten times more likely to go mur to go missing or be murdered in their lifetime, and it's a horrible, horrible thing. And it's overlooked and it's just rampant. And um, there's not enough being done to protect these women and these girls. Um, and uh, it's just it's really heartbreaking and and. Deborah, the the head of that organization, I remember we we filmed that video and, and we're raising awareness. And because of that, somebody made a big donation to them and they were able to go on a rescue mission and they saved two girls from human trafficking, which is like wow. the biggest sort of like, this is where this seed started. And we did all of these things. And at the end of it, knowing that it led to, in some small way, helping save these two women. And it just like, that was one of the most fulfilling and empowering and beautiful moments for me because, you know, music is such a powerful way to make a difference in the world. Sometimes you're not really, you don't really realize how much music can help change things and make an impact. Um, but it was just really amazing and really powerful. And, and it's something I think one of, I think I could definitively say it is the most important thing that I've ever done in my life. Well, Maya, thank you for being a voice for that organization and, and, you know, bringing awareness to it because it's an important issue. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you for letting me talk that long. I realized I had a lot to say about <laughs> no, it. No, that's Thank that's you. fantastic. I mean, yeah, that's you know, if it if it makes one person donate, uh, that's that's worthwhile for me. So, yeah, that's that's very admirable. The other song I wanted to talk about is "Show the World." Including the Envy of None stuff, that might be my favorite song that you've done, and it's just a gorgeous melody. I love the vocal and the um, the playing. It's it's again, it's it, to me, it comes off as kind of a, a positive version of David Bowie's Space Oddity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Tell me a little bit about the origins of that song. Yeah, there was a song contest for the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. That was in 2019, and. Uh, they wanted people to write songs about space exploration. And I saw this contest. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I love space. I love science. I love math. I've just like, it's this other side of me that was like also very excited about this contest. Like, oh, that sounds so cool. And I, I didn't think I had time to enter, but I ended up writing this song in about 15 minutes. I was like, okay, I'm going to enter. I wrote the song. <laughs> I have a song. <laughs> and... Uh, I had just been ruminating on it for a while. And I think I just watched Hidden Figures as well. And that was also very inspiring. And it just came flowing out of me. And I just was like, we need a song. We need a song that inspires kids, both boys and girls, to just pursue their dreams. Go be astronauts. Like, when did we lose that as like a really cool thing? I feel like that used to be like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And so many kids would be like, I want to be an astronaut. And I feel like we need to get back to that because that's really cool. <laughs> we need more astronauts. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I wrote the song and I just wanted to wanted to write something that both reflected on the Apollo 11 astronauts, but also encouraged young kids today of like following their dreams and getting out there and, um, you know, and after watching Hidden Figures, also acknowledging, you know, that girls can do this too and, and mm -hmm. little boys can do this and they can, you know, dream big and follow those dreams. And so I wrote that song and um, it just makes me happy and I'm just so glad that they liked it. And um, I ended up winning the contest and um, I got to play that song for astronauts i got to play at the 50th anniversary gala for the uh, moon landing and my i played at the space and rocket center and my entire audience was astronauts and rocket scientists and their families <laughs> and it was really cool and uh it was just an amazing night and um just an incredible experience and i just feel really lucky and it was just like being at the space and rocket center is so cool you just yeah. you see the scope of these rockets and and it's just amazing. It's truly incredible. And it puts everything into scale. And 
you just feel like a little kid and they have space camp and adults can go to space camp. So I'm planning on going back and going to space camp <laughs> soon. <laughs> that's very cool. I like that a lot. That's, that's great. And now maybe you could um, get a ride on Jeff Bezos's rocket or something, go into space yourself. Yes. A personal concert. <laughs> I'll trade you a personal concert for a ticket to space. <laughs> that sounds like a good deal. Sounds like yeah. a good deal. <laughs> so envy of none, this album is uh it's definitely going to be on my year end list for, you know, best albums of 2022. It's, uh, it's yourself. You do vocals and keyboards, Alex Lifeson of rush, uh, rush fame, uh, on guitar, mandola and programming Andy Curran from Coney hatch on bass guitar, backing vocals, Alf Annabellini. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay. Guitar and keyboards. <laughs> and, uh, there's some, there's some additional players. You have three different, I believe three different drummers on this album. Yes. Yeah. David Quentin Steinberg, Joe Vital, and Tim Oxford. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Dinklage on strings, Bethany Joyce on cello, and you've got some backing vocals from Heidi DeBose, uh, Dreadlight, who you've worked with as a solo artist, and uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Aliafont? Elephant, yeah. Elephant. <laughs> Elephant. Okay. Um, yeah. So a lot of people involved, but my first question is, how did you all come together? Uh, obviously, uh, Andy and Alex have known each other a while. How did you get on their radar and, you know, where did you first cross paths? Yeah, um, I won a different song contest uh, <laughs> about six years ago. And one of my prizes was a mentorship Zoom call with Andy. And um, we got on the Zoom call and I had one song that I had recorded with my um, co-producer who is Elephant, actually. Okay. And uh, it was very different. It was a collaboration. It was more industrial. And uh, Andy really liked that song. He's like, you should be doing more of that. And he was talking about a project that he had been working on of his own music that kind of had a similar vibe to it. And so I was just like, hey, you know, if you ever needed any vocals for anything, let me know. And I didn't really think much about it. I didn't know much about Andy at that point. You know, I, I thought he was more of like an industry guy. Not, I didn't really know he was a musician much. I just <laughs> knew he was an industry guy um, in Canada. And so I didn't really know much. We talked somewhat about, you know, just like questions about music careers and stuff like that. And he ended up taking me up on my offer to add some vocals to a song. And he sent me just like a let's see, a fold, like a whole folder of like 20 song song ideas, but they're all short, like just a minute long each. Mm -hmm. And uh, I listened to them. And the first one that I was like, I, I have ideas for this was Shadow. And I recorded my lyrics and vocal melodies and um, vocal layers for that and sent it back. And he, he and Alf had already been working together and worked on these ideas together at that point. And they loved it. And we sort of kept going and we worked on a couple more songs and then about three songs into it, Andy called me one day and was just like, hey, so I showed this to my buddy Alex and he loved it and he wants to play some guitars on it. And I had no context. I was like, great, you know, Alex <laughs> is going to play guitars. And then <laughs> and then he's like, you know, Alex Lifeson from the band Rush, right? And of course, like I knew who Rush was. My parents were huge Rush fans and they'd mm -hmm. gone to like three of their concerts growing up. And um, it was just mind-blowing to me. I was so confused. <laughs> <laughs> 
for so long. And then, of course, through the course of getting to know these guys and getting to know Andy. And Andy has a great music career as well. And Coney Hatch is wonderful. And, and he has a great solo record. And he's won a Juno Award. And he's incredibly talented. And um, he's just so humble. When you talk to him, you just don't know. You know, he's so nice. And you're just like, yeah, this is just a really nice guy. Yeah. Um, but getting to know him and getting to know his music career as well has been really wonderful. And, and just working with these guys over the past five years has been awesome because we just worked on it really slowly over time. We didn't really mm -hmm. have an agenda for it. Um, it was just for fun for a long time. And then once we had 10 songs, we're like, maybe we should just release it, you know, and do mm -hmm. something with this. And um, But it was really authentic and just came from a genuine place. And it's just been really awesome. And, and Alf is such a kind person. He's so talented and he, he plays some of the guitars on these tracks. Like a lot of the, the main sort of structural guitar parts are, are Alf. Um, and then Alex added a lot of the textures and like little solo parts and stuff on top. And, mm -hmm. um, and Alf did a lot of the keys and mixing and, and producing. And it's just like, they're all incredibly talented people. And uh, I just feel really lucky to get to work with them and, I just, I'm some random girl from Portland and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you've shown uh, that you belong with, uh, in their league for sure. You're also an actor in addition to being a musician. Do you consider yourself more one than the other or do you prefer one over the other? I really love music. I think I'd always choose music, but I've been feeling more motivated lately to act more. You know, it was sort of a... a I'll do it when I get the opportunities to do it thing for a while, but I've been more motivated to really try and I want to take some more acting classes and, and just really hone in on my skills as an actor. You know, it's definitely something you practice and it's, there's people who definitely have natural talent with acting, but I think it's also something like with music, if you practice it and, you know, hone your skills a little bit more, you can get better. And I do, I, I kind of, I want to get better and I want to, I want to try a little bit more with acting I don't know. I'm just feeling the pull. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do, do what makes you happy. Yeah. So who inspires you as a vocalist? Who inspires you as a musician? It's mm, a great question. I, I feel like the people that inspire me vocally aren't usually the ones that, that do all the crazy things, you know, like that's talent and, and, and takes a lot of skill. I feel like the ones that really speak to me are people who who convey a lot of emotion and authenticity in their voice. And to me, Nora Jones has always been one of those people. Um, and there's a lot of female singers that I can think of that have that same feeling to me. And Fiona Apple is also one of them. She has just mm -hmm. such a pure authenticity to her voice. And you can just tell she she feels and means what she sings. And... There's a lot of really talented singers that, that can do that. And Ben Harper, he's one of them. Um, uh, there's a younger singer, Grace Vanderwall, and I feel like she also kind of has that in a lot of her songs. I feel like she she feels what she sings. She means what she sings. Um, yeah, I just, like, I, I, I don't need perfect. I don't need perfect skill i i just want something that makes me feel something you know mm -hmm. and i think there's a lot of really amazing artists that do that amy winehouse definitely made me f you know she had that voice that just yeah. like cut through very talented skillful as well but also i think very authentic and then musician like there's so many talented musicians out there alex definitely inspires me i 
working with him has made me appreciate him as a musician on a whole other level. I think he's he's incredibly skilled, but his ability to his openness to any genre. I've sent him folk songs. I've sent him <laughs> borderline country songs and, and any, everything, any genre really. And he just, he matches it and he finds something out of the box to fit within whatever's there. And it's just so his ability to, to mold and create and shift and grow and, it's just, it's incredibly inspiring. And he, he creates sounds with a guitar that don't sound like a guitar. And it's just like, it's amazing. So yeah. I definitely, as a, as on a musician level, I really am inspired by Alex so much. And, and there's just like, I don't know, there's so many incredible musicians out there. Radiohead inspires me a lot musically. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really great music out there. <laughs> I watched your very good cover of Creep video today. nice white tunnel there and yeah and what i what i really enjoyed about that is that you 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 just and i don't know if it's because you're an actor but you put on this this face of of someone who's just so tortured and so <laughs> down and and then at the end there's this giggle that comes out of nowhere it's really great <laughs> yeah oh man it's been it's so funny i have to like prevent myself from taking some of those old videos down because I feel like I listen to it and I'm like oh I've grown so much as a vocalist I you know I do this song now and it's so much better and and but I feel like it takes away from that the honesty of this journey you know I've been doing this since I was a teenager and and there's something really magical about that performance and that was the video that I won that contest with that got me in contact with Andy, you know? Wow. Like that yeah. was an important video for me and <laughs> and I did. Like I I connect to Creep on, on another level. I don't know why, but my tortured little soul comes out just with that song <laughs> and <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a classic. It's fantastic. And you and you chose not to go with the clean version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel I felt like especially at that point like I didn't want to be 
I didn't want to have somebody, some some guy write in, like, of course she uses the clean version. I, like, I could predict that <laughs> comment already. I was like, no, I'm going to say it. I'm going to, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. What was the writing approach like for Envy of None? Was it was it passing files back and forth? Was it uh, you start an idea, someone else starts an idea? Was it a, a combination of things? It's definitely a combination. The sort of main bulk of the songs started with Alf and Andy, and then they would send, a lot of times send them to me. I would sort of extend them a little bit more, figure out this is the verse, this is the chorus, write lyrics and vocal melodies and sort of flesh it out as a song, send it back. They would add more layers and then Alex would usually add his guitars after I did my vocal parts. Um, but there was definitely songs that had a different approach. Um, Alex had a few songs that he had written that I just added vocals on top of what was there. And that was actually really challenging for a couple of those because they were so already like complex and melodically pretty full. And it was hard to figure out like, okay, how do I add to this without it clashing with things you know mm -hmm. uh, but we figured it out and they turned out really cool and um those songs are are just amazing and they were already just amazing instrumentals so it was a really fun challenge to try to like how do i fit myself into this in a way that doesn't distract from things or or make it bad <laughs> <laughs> um and i had one song one song on the main album and then one song on the bonus disc that I wrote that I sent to them and I was like hey I have this song and I had it recorded the vocals were done and and um old strings was one of them and and that was one that I I had written and it was more folk and even the version I had was actually more towards like indie rock side and it was a little bit like the beat was double timed and um it was a little heavier at times and then the chorus simplified and just opened up and and then they decided it, like Andy took it and sort of stripped out the instrumentation and then it was like a very flowy very pretty song and that's sort of where we ended up going with it is more towards this sort of like just really beautiful synth layers and guitar layers and um, it turned out really gorgeous and it really sort of just highlighted the the vocal harmonies and layers and and the heart of that the message of that song and i think it turned out so beautiful um but we are originally the first version i sent alex sent me a banjo part for it for my more folk indie rock version and it's awesome so i'm still going to release the more like that version on my record and so i'm excited for people to hear the two like contrasting versions of that song oh, that's um, very yeah. cool every song had a different approach and um we all sort of contributed in different ways for each song Okay. It sounds like when you listen to this album that the vocals were challenging in terms of having multiple layers and approaches throughout the album. Um, uh, what was that sort of process like? Yeah, I, I did a lot of vocal layers on this. I, I really enjoy recording harmonies and I've been working on my own skill as a producer and recording artist and um, so I, especially later on in the process, I had the ability to, I could just open my Pro Tools session, record myself, set up a nice microphone and set up everything. And then I could just record harmony after harmony after layer and all the different ideas in my head. And sometimes I would send them up to 40 vocal layers and, um, just too many, too many layers really. And, uh, it was really fun for me. I think it allowed me to experiment and try new things and, 
find things that really supported the songs and and helped them feel big and full and and I think it's something that gives this record a very distinct sound and mm-hmm. it was it was really fun for me and I learned a lot in the process and I really enjoyed writing the lyrics and writing the vocal melodies for these songs and that was also kind of a unique challenge because a lot of times Andy would have like two ly- two words you know for a song like here's an instrumental that's a minute long and then here's your two words are look inside and it's like okay <laughs> okay <laughs> i can do that i can i can make this sort of feel like it fits within that parameter and and write a song and try to write something that i can relate to and um you know each song was kind of a different puzzle for me to solve and i liked that <laughs> yeah. did you write all the lyrics i wrote most of them um there was like a few songs where where Andy would have a few words or like a, a beginning of a chorus. I think the one he wrote the most on was probably "Dumb" because he wrote the the that full chorus one plus one equals three, but you never gave back to me. All you ever did was make me feel dumb. He wrote that whole chorus, and then I just wrote, I wrote the verses and the the pre choruses to go along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else, you know, I either wrote all the lyrics or I wrote most of the lyrics with the exception of like, it's a dog's life or I'm not your enemy or trying to think of a couple other ones, but that's sort of like our process. It's like, he's like, here's a seed and an instrumental. <laughs> Go. Do what you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do your thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It sounds like when you listen to this album, there's, there are elements of electronica, industrial rock, trance, uh, shoegaze, a little bit of everything. Was there, were the discussions in advance of what style you guys would be playing this music? I mean, you, you mentioned those those first couple tracks you worked on with Andy. Yeah, I mean, based on our first interaction, I knew that he liked darker, more industrial stuff. And um, a lot of the instrumentals that he sent for me to start recording ideas to already had a very distinct vibe to it. So I think that really Andy and Alf working on those song ideas together influenced the direction of the album the most you know we never really had a discussion about it and there's definitely a variety on the album you know there's some songs that are more pop and and some that are more rock and some that are darker and and heavier and i think it was really just a matter of like what ones that i listened to that really spoke to me and that i had ideas for and then ones that like we sort of shared with each other along in the process and it sort of just came together in a more natural way. But I always knew that it was going to be something darker, heavier, and maybe a little bit more industrial rocky. <laughs> yeah. What I, I, what I love about this album is that are, there are so many little subtle parts that all flow together and all are woven together. I would love to hear a 5.1 surround version of this album. I think it would be fantastic. Uh, and then the vocals, I think, I think it's fair to say, despite the the musicians that you are, are singing, you know, the songs that they they're playing and, and you're playing, I think your voice steals the show on this album. It's, it's, um, it's haunting, it's ethereal, yet it's not fragile. It's, um, it's fragile at times when you want it to be, but it's, it's, it's strong. It's a strong voice. It's not something that you feel like is going to, you know, shatter into a million pieces. I, I just think. It's hard to describe. Haunting is what I, I the way I see it because it's uh, it, it is sort of a the thing that sticks in your mind long after the song is over. Thank you. Wow, that's a huge compliment. I I love being haunting. <laughs> so I take that as a compliment. I uh, 
I really appreciate that. I, I, it's just an honor to work with those guys, and and I put a lot of myself into these songs and a lot of my my voice into these songs, and and it means a lot that it doesn't feel too fragile to you because I definitely you know I worry about I I'm not a loud person I don't have a super loud voice but I do feel like I'm strong and I'm glad that 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 comes across to you and and um I agree I think a lot of these songs are very haunting and they come from a dark kind of spooky place and I think that's where I find my power is by being creepy (laughs) so uh I appreciate that Find my power in being creepy. That's good. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> it's not that's that's not normal. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's not something you hear every day. But it, it's and I think your voice is that way on your solo stuff too. It's uh, it's just a, like a different style. But it's it's uh, you know you definitely have carved out the way that you sing, and and that's your that's you. And it's uh, it I like it. I'm I'm enjoying the heck out of it. So I'm I'm glad I'm glad we got this opportunity. This album kicks off with Never Said I Love You. great tone setter it serves as sort of the it's up tempo compared to a lot of the rest of the album and uh, so it's a good introduction to the band and um you know where where were the germs of this song how did this one come out this one was one that that annie and elf had been working on for a while and um that one it just was really really great from the beginning like just the instrumental had such great hook to it and it was so catchy and and it had a different vibe than a lot of the other ones it was more upbeat and Mm -hmm. more a little bit more happy than a lot of the other ones and so it really grabbed my attention early on and and it was one that I knew would be a really catchy song and it came together really well and and um, it was actually one that Alex wasn't originally going to play on because the main guitars you know that Alf had done were really great and he's Mm -hmm. like I just don't know if I, I see anything that could add to this and he ended up adding these really beautiful acoustic guitars in the the choruses and the bridge and stuff and it just really opened those courses up even more and and added this complexity to the bridge that was really beautiful and um I don't know it just came together so well it's such a such a great hook to it and it and it's such a great energy I always imagine high heels on pavement when I listened to that song. I don't know why. Just like some bits, some really cool business lady walking down the street <laughs> with her high heels on. Yeah, I love that song. It's so catchy. It's great. It's funny that it's the upbeat song on the album because the, the title is Never Said I Love You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't seem like a happy sentiment. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. It's, it's actually really funny because Andy and I have different interpretations for the meanings of so many of these songs. Oh, and yeah? that's one of them. Like, Andy, because he that was his hook for that his like 
little seed of words for that song was I never said I love you and I never said I or I never said I want to make you mine and when I listened to that I was like oh that's really sweet like it's somebody that lost somebody and they're like oh I never got the chance to say I love you I mm-hmm. I didn't say how I felt before it was too late and that's how I interpreted it yeah. and then it, and, and the way Andy meant it was more like a well I never said I love you so you know <laughs> That's slow I, down, it, lady. Like, it's immediately, just such a complete opposite interpretation of yeah, these songs. <laughs> I immediately thought of both of those uh, those opposing um, you know thoughts. But uh, that's <laughs> another thing that's I think good about this song is that you know you can take different things away from it. Shadow. This is one of the more electronica based songs. Tell me about that recurring synth line. Mm, yeah, there's okay. So shadow is one. I don't know. I, I think that was one that Andy came up with. I can't remember, but I know that Andy and Alf worked on that one together, and that was the first song that I recorded vocal parts for. And that repeated synth line is really cool. And Andy says that when I listened to it, I told him that it sounded like a video game. I don't remember that, but I probably did. <laughs> it does sound like a video game. And it's just a really cool song and that really that idea really spoke to me of of somebody in your life that is like a shadow that their negative energy and their energy towards you looms over your life like a shadow and follows you wherever you go and the Mm -hmm. sort of remnants of how they treated you sort of leave shadows around you and i really liked the idea of that and um it's such a cool song and I ended up adding this one that I had keyboard parts for. I put a keyboard um, through a guitar amp and put distortion on it and used the little modulation bar and did these cool like slidey parts that are really like creepy and cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. cool song. I like it. Look Inside was the second single you guys released.
your vocals are very uh, ethereal on this, sort of a filthy growling guitar throughout this one. You mentioned that look inside was the the two-word note that you got from Andy on that one. Yeah. Yeah, that song was uh, really cool and came together really well. And that that lead sort of growly guitar is actually, it's Andy's bass line. He doubled his bass and then put distortion over it. Mm-hmm. And it's just this really meaty, like, yeah, growly, almost guitar sounding thing. And it's yeah. really cool. And that song came together really well. I wasn't sold on it right away because it was, it was super slow, you know, in the beginning. And there wasn't a lot of layers happening. And it was like, you know, just this really sort of, almost dredgy kind of feeling and it's like I don't know about the song and and then as we started working on it and adding more and more layers it really came together in this really cool sort of it just it's oh how did they describe it I can't I can't find the right words to describe it but it's just it's really it, it sort of surrounds you in this feeling and it sort of pulls at you and it really ended up matching the feeling of the lyrics really well and mm-hmm. um, I just I love that song and I think it, I'm glad we we powered through on it because it turned out really cool it did the fourth track is Liar And this is the first single. And I got to say, you guys hit it out of the park with the first single because it's a great song. One of my favorites on the album. And it's it's a surprising song because it's not about a romantic partner that is not being honest. It's got a great story behind it. And <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to be the one to give this away. So can you tell us your story of what the lyrics are about or where what inspired them? Yeah. Yeah. So I was working on, I was going to rewrite the verses because this was one that Andy had already written and they'd even done it with a different singer. And and he's like, no, we want to put it on this project and you can make it your own. You can rewrite the lyrics. And so I was working on rewriting the verses and I didn't really have a lot of inspiration. And then I had jury duty for the first time and they were looking to put me on this case that was really horrible. They put us, we went into the courtroom and they started listing off all of the things that this woman was on trial for. And it's just this long, horrible list and just this sinking feeling in my gut of like, Oh, this person is horrible. This is a terrible person. And I remember she, she was sort of scanning the jurors, the potential jurors, cause they can sort of eliminate a few. Mm-hmm. And she looked me dead in the eye and just that feeling of like ice and, horrible just energy and and I just I got chills throughout my whole body and it's like this person is evil (laughs) this is an evil (laughs) human being and 
I everything inside me was like because of course at the end of the list it's like she pleads not guilty and, and everything inside me was like this woman is guilty she's a liar and <laughs> of course I didn't get put on the case probably because I was already thinking those things but um I went home and I wrote the verses about that moment and about that feeling of that sinking feeling of just ugh, just bad bad feelings <laughs> around that woman um so yeah now she has a song about her <laughs> I wonder how many songs in the rock and roll history have been inspired by jury duty. Probably not that many. <laughs> Probably not very many. Yeah. <laughs> the, the song Spy House. This is a song that gets Envy of None its explicit label. Um, <laughs> it's the shortest song on the album. <laughs> very few lyrics uh what inspired the lyrics for spy house you know this was the most challenging one for me it it was such a great instrumental but it's it's very short there's not really a lot of repeating parts in it it mm -hmm. was very full sonically there's a lot of of really cool melodies happening but it made it even harder to find a vocal melody that fit within things um you know, because Alex had written and recorded them as instrumental pieces. And so it was, it was really hard. And then the name Spy House, like, how do you write a, how do you write lyrics surrounding that title? It was so challenging. And he told me that he, when he wrote his instrumentals, he would just look around and like Spy House was the name of a book. And he was just like, oh, okay, that's what I'll call it, you know? And it, and so it wasn't really like motivated by anything, but I, I liked the challenge and I spent time with it. I had a lot of first tries on this song that sounded terrible that I threw away. Um, <laughs> it was hard. And I ended up creating this whole story about a woman that, so I wanted to match the feeling of the music. And to me, the music felt almost paranoid at times. Like it has this sort of like frantic paranoia feeling to it. And then this sort of sweetness to it at times. Um, and so to me, it was almost like I made this story about a woman that was kind of obsessed and stalking this man. You know, she's convinced that he's spying on her, but mm -hmm. she's actually the one spying on him. She's just so like wrapped up in this weird story in her head because she's so obsessed with this person, yeah. you know, and she's like, you know, you're spying on me. I know you're spying on me kind of thing, but she's like the one weirdly obsessed with him and just in love with this person in an unhealthy way. And so, yeah, that's the story behind that song and <laughs> the perspective of those lyrics. I think there's a lot of that going on in the world right now where what people are is what they accuse other people of being. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, totally that song. And I <laughs> yeah. wanted to throw a swear word in there. I feel, I feel, I felt like, I felt like it needed an edge and that moment was so passionate and, and she's just spiraling in that moment of just obsession and confusion and, and mm-hmm. paranoia and, yeah, it all comes out in that one little moment. And then he has like, that's like his main solo and the whole record is in that one spot. And so it's just like, I got to like give it some oomph. And yeah. it was great. It was, that's it your, that's really your radio, radiohead creep. Um, yeah, moment there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't want to assume because you, you mentioned that Alex isn't the only one playing guitar on this, but it, it sounds like Alex playing guitar on this particular track. It's in fact, it sounds probably the most, it's the most rush sounding Alex on the, or, or guitar anyway, on the, on the album. Uh, none of this sounds anything like rush. We get a whole new Alex Lifeson on this. Was it Alex? For spy house or spy house. Yes. That was all Alex. Okay. I don't think, I don't think Alf played any guitars on that song. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't screw that up then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause yeah, that is the most Alex sounding Alex. I think that we get on the album Yeah. for dog's life. I like that little blood, sweat, cheers, uh, tears chant in the song. What what inspired that? Ah, oh, I was feeling super overworked when I wrote that the lyrics for that song, and that's I, I channeled everything into that. I was super frustrated and just feeling super tired and overworked and and uh, just exhausted and and so I channeled everything into that because you know a lot of the a lot of the work that I was doing it was just like when you're following a passion, you know, especially with music and, and art related things, it's really challenging and it's really challenging. You feel like you're working all the time and most of it doesn't pan out to be much at all. You know, you're putting your heart and your blood, sweat and tears into everything and it's just exhausting. And, and so much of the time it doesn't turn into much at all. And it's, it's so frustrating. And so, and you tell yourself, oh, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's going to be worth it because, you know, you're following your dream. You're following your dream. And that's so, it's such a, it was really a criticism on work culture, especially in the U.S. I think there's so much hustle culture in the U.S. of like, if you want your dreams come true, then you have to work for it. And mm-hmm. you have to be willing to get less sleep than everybody else. If you didn't succeed, then you just didn't work hard enough. And, and we dedicate so much of our lives to work and this idea of 
of working towards something and work, 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 work. And it's so much work. And I was just really frustrated and I was tired of seeing all of those, those motivational posts on Instagram of like, you just got to work harder, you know, and, and it just like, I was at my breaking point. <laughs> so I channeled all of it into that song. And that's what it feels like. It's just like, I just wanted to yell and I wanted to scream and, and, just really make a commentary about how toxic this culture is and and that yes like follow your dreams and work hard but is it really more important than your health is it really more important than your well-being is it really more if you're working your whole life and you're not spending any time on being an actual human being and being an actual person and connecting with people then what is your life at all you know and it's just like all of those feelings wrapped up into that song and um I felt it. I felt it with my soul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're you're almost whispering the vocals on this one at times with a like the with a higher vocal offsetting it. That, that was an interesting choice. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of layers in that song. I I scream in that song. I wanted it to be even heavier. I had these like yells in the like we have the chance of like blood sweat and tears and then for the I do it for the love I brought my friends in from Dreadlight and they're singing on the song and we were screaming I got I, like Kandra was screaming we were yelling together and we had these big big vocals on the chorus and I just wanted it to be huge and they sort of brought it back a little bit <laughs> but I wanted it to just be I was so feeling it and I just wanted to like scream but yeah, there's some like there's some lower vocals that were pretty low for my vocal range, and so you know I did my best to sort of it's a dog's life, you know. Like <laughs> I had to really work at getting those lines, and yeah. uh, had to have some help sometimes. And uh, yeah, and Andy loves the whispery sort of like textures, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'd always send some of those, and they'd always like stack them in in certain moments and give extra textures to things. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Uh, Cobble Blues starts uh, side two on the LP. Eastern vibe in the guitars. Um, any any particular uh, memories you have of this one? This is one of, of Alex's instrumentals that he wrote, and I like how this turned out so much. I think it's this was also really challenging melodically to try to figure out. I remember asking Alex, like, is this a major key or a minor key? And he just said, yes. <laughs> so it's just like trying to find what are the notes? What do I do with this? And it was just, it was new for me and it was really cool. And I learned a lot from it and I think it turned out really cool. And um, I, I love this one. I think it turned out in such a, such a unique 
way and and it does it has some of those middle eastern influences and his main instrument in that is actually a banjo i think reversed wow. that, that he played and it has that almost saz like sound to it it's just it's really interesting and, and turned out really cool alex comes up with some crazy ideas i mean he's done backward <laughs> guitar solos for rush and things like that i'm like who thinks of this stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> And how do you get it to work? That doesn't seem like it should work. But, exactly. Uh, that's pretty cool. One of the songs you brought up earlier is Old Strings. say it's one of my favorites on the album my goodness the lyrics on this one speak to me particularly about the um you know my mind just won't stretch the way it used to uh and i feel like um i feel like used things tremendous lyrics on this one what was going through your mind you're you're not a very old person uh <laughs> to where you should be <laughs> having these kinds of thoughts but uh what what kind of uh, led to these you know, I, I, I was just struggling. I was struggling mentally and I was struggling feeling like, I know I'm, I'm only 25, but somehow I feel like I've lived a lifetime in some ways already. And I feel like that song especially was every bit of it I was feeling in my soul. And I think that, I think it's easy for me to imagine the rest of my life and, and the feelings that I'm going to have in the future. I, when I was uh, 16, I wrote a song called 43 about what it would be like when I turned 43. And I think that there's just this, I don't know what it is. I <laughs> contemplate about the future a lot and I contemplate about feelings that I have to a degree, but I know will be amplified as I get older. And I'm already feeling seeds of those things. You know, I feel I have really terrible memory already. I think it just runs in the family. I have a hard time remembering things and um and I just feel kind of dumb sometimes. <laughs> and I have a um I don't get a lot of good sleep and I know that, know that's part of it. I have a sleep disorder and it causes me to not sleep well at all and it makes me function not well a lot of the time. <laughs> I think that that also played into those feelings of like I don't feel as mentally limber as I used to. And I know I'm only 25, but I definitely feel that. And and I know that it's something a lot of people can relate to, but it, it comes from a very genuine place in that feeling and that feeling of, of getting older and sort of losing touch with yourself and 
and feeling the ways in which you're aging and, and not as like, man, you know, your brain just gets older and you, and you can't remember things anymore. And like, I barely remember last week. (laughs) Oh, believe me, I can relate. (laughs) I used to have a very, very good memory and it's, uh, it's not like that anymore, but, um, it's funny that you, uh, that you gravitated toward 43 because it's such an oddly specific number (laughs) and and random. (laughs) Yeah. I think my dad had turned 43 that year. So I think I, it was like, um, partially inspired by my dad and, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a writer. I like to sort of explore different ideas. Mm-hmm. I like to explore feelings very fully and um, not just create stories, but live in stories and live in feelings and, and potentials and ideas and thoughts. And, and, you know, I sort of float around in different ideas. And, and I think when you write and when you write songs and stories and, and perspectives, it's, you don't always write exactly from your own personal perspective, but from Mm -hmm. everyone's perspective and the world's perspective and other stories that inspire you. And you sort of step into other shoes all the time. And um, that's part of what inspires different songs. And, you know, I, I don't always know where exactly certain things come from, but I know that they're coming from a genuine place of empathy and, and wanting to explore different stories and ideas and Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, that's how you flex your writing muscles as you put yourself in that other person's perspective and, and try to imagine what that's like. So, and, uh, it sounds like you, you've done quite a bit of that. Yeah. Um, this, this, uh, song also, I think has a very sort of a yes thing on the guitar from like how yes did at the end of gates of delirium in the soon part. It's, uh, it's this very delicate, sort of um interesting guitar i don't even know how to describe what kind of guitar it is but it's very cool (laughs) yeah yeah that's one of my favorite guitar moments alex and i have talked a lot about that and how the vocals and the guitar feel like they sort of dance around each other at times and it really sort of emphasizes that the story of the lyrics and you know there is sort of this relationship in the lyrics and and so it's really cool that the guitar and the vocals sort of feel like two different people dancing with each other throughout the song and, and it's really beautiful and and it's one of my favorite moments on the record yeah dumb is uh you talked about that a little bit as well the lyric about all you ever did was make me feel dumb is a very intriguing lyric is this is this about feeling dumb in cons- in comparison to a really smart person or is it sort of like a gaslighting situation? Um, mm. What what was your thought on that? So that was one that, so that was part of the chorus that Andy wrote for that song. And okay. the way that I sort of interpreted it was not that that person is actually unintelligent. I think it's right. more of a gaslighting situation. And also, you know, from the perspective of just people who look down on you, whether it's, misogyny or people who have places of power and abuse that power over other people or you know just assume that they are better than others or whatever it is that's really where i interpreted that line coming from
I don't know what Andy's exact inspiration for it. When I talked to him about it, he said he was inspired by a cartoon of a kid <laughs> wearing a dunce cap. And that... <laughs> So it's very like I took it on a much more personal level, and yeah. I think that I, I definitely put a lot of that into it because I've, I've definitely encountered a lot of people who look for ways to belittle me or look down on me, and I think that that's a lot of people go through that in their life at different levels, and whether you know whoever it is that they're dealing with, or but it's definitely something that I could relate to, and it also seemed like I asked him the lyric about the lyric, you know, one plus one equals three. You know, obviously it's very ironic in the whole song, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, from his perspective, it was more of like, you know, two people get together and they have a kid, you know, and so it's from the perspective of a re- relationship okay. there. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of layers in the song and a lot of different ways to interpret it, whether it's two people in a relationship and, you know, somebody's gaslighting the other person and they're reflecting mm-hmm. on, you know, we have this relationship, we have this family, we have this kid. And you are still spending all of your time belittling me and making all you ever do is make me feel dumb. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we're in this together and and you are part of this family. You know, there's a lot of different ways to interpret it. I think that that's one of the cool things about a lot of these songs. When you have two people writing lyrics, you have two different perspectives. And, you know, and he clearly had two different influences and inspirations. And I had different inspirations for that song as well. Um, But, yeah, I think it turned out really cool. Yeah, that was, I, I was curious about that because, you know, I've, I've been around people that are just, you know, so smart that they make me feel dumb and I'm, I don't feel like I'm a dumb person. And, but I've also been around people who, you know, that I have memories of, of an event and they were there and they start describing it and they're telling me something that's completely the opposite of how I remember it. And, um, and, and so I felt kind of dumb from that perspective too. So it's, yeah, I wondered, you know, which of those things, it was, or if, or if you guys even picked a lane when you went there, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, some, sometimes duality is good. If it, it, you know, intentional duality can be a good thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think with a lot of these songs, it was, we'd never really, I th- we talked in vague terms about what the song was about for a lot of these songs, but we never really pinpointed, here's the specific story. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was doing most of the writing anyway, but a lot of them, like the, with this one, it's, it's, to me, it's the most interesting because it was the one that he wrote the most lyrics on. You know, that chorus has that, it's pretty long. And it has that, a lot of lyrics there. And so yeah. it's very interesting to me because it, it it does, it has a lot of different interpretations. And it's so funny to me because it wasn't until after we wrote the songs and it was out that I sometimes heard like his perspective of these songs. And I was like, wait a minute, this entire time you thought the song was about this and I thought it was about this. And it's just like <laughs> shocking to me, but it, it works still from those two different perspectives. And I think that, that's a really good song when you can interpret it in a lot of different ways and it still works and these these through lines still work and and references and um i like that i really like that about that song yeah and a lot of musicians don't really get hung up on the meaning of it they say it's more important to to the listener what it means than it is to them so because once you put it once you put that record out it's not really yours anymore it belongs to everybody (laughs) who listens to it And uh, that kind of thing. So anyway, I'm glad I asked. The song Enemy...
was this inspired by an a particular event it was um i think we've all seen like the, the photographs of the you know the 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 hippies putting the flowers in the gun barrels and things like that and and that's kind of what came to my mind um was this this thought of of you know why are you um picking a fight with me that you know i'm not the person you should be picking a fight with and that kind of thing where did this where what, what kind of inspired this or yeah uh, sorry yeah. for babbling on this question no, I, i've been babbling this whole time <laughs> no you've been great i think that that song is really interesting because you know we were working on it about five years ago now four wow. years ago and it was right around the time a lot of protests were happening here mm. in portland and um the bigger protests started to, started to happen and um, there's a lot of violence and it's been really i've had a lot of friends who've been hurt and it was just a lot of a lot of stress and violence and i think that that song we just happened to be working on it around that same time. And so I channeled a lot of that into to the emotion of that song of just, you know, I'm, I, I dislike conflict on a very high level. It, I would rather, I would do so many things to avoid conflict uh, at all costs usually. And so it's, it's stresses me out on a large scale. <laughs> and um I just there's there's been so much going on and and from that moment forward it just has felt like there's always been something going on in, in the world and and maybe it's always been that way maybe I'm just becoming more aware of it as I get older maybe there's always been something going on but it just feels like for me it feels like the like five years ago it started and it hasn't stopped and and maybe there's a little bit of truth to both of those things and mm-hmm. I just I think that originally the lyrics started out more as like a dramatic relationship issue you know mm-hmm. if like i'm not your enemy you know which it does work that way as well sure but i think it, it turned into something that was more vast for me at least really contemplating on the violence in the world and that's where i sort of channeled some of those verse lyrics like i've been lost in this tw- twisted world drowned and drowned in silence and i'm feeling ill you know and just that feeling of like I feel silenced because I feel like I can't do anything to help. And when you have problems on such a large scale and you're just one person, you know, you feel overwhelmed with these things. You feel overwhelmed with the amount of violence, the amount of people getting hurt and your inability, you're seemingly unable to do anything to really influence things. And and Mm -hmm. it's so easy to be stuck in that feeling and feeling and feeling like you wish you could just like, yell at everybody to stop and that's the irony of this song right you know it's like it's a very aggressive song telling people not to fight it's ironic and it's and i think it works so well for that because you do you 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 feel all this energy and you want to just yell stop and you wish it happened like it did in the movies where somebody says shut up and everybody stops (laughs) but it doesn't really work that way you just add to the noise yeah and (laughs) nothing stops and and i think that that's i just wish I wish I could sing the song and everything would stop and everybody would put down weapons and stop fighting each other. But that's not realistic. That's a very idealistic <laughs> point of view, but I wish I could. And I wish, I wish it would stop. And and I think I channeled a lot of that into those, those lyrics and that feeling. And, and that's sort of the biggest, that was the first time I got big on this album. It's one of the earlier songs we worked on. And 
in the studio, I remember recording vocals for it and letting myself get bigger on that chorus and sort of stepping out of my comfort zone a little bit because that was the song and that's how I felt. And it sort of, it was a really good turning point for me as a vocalist and feeling more confident in myself and more confident in my ability to be bigger, I guess. Mm -hmm. That brings us to the album Closer, Western Sunset. This is a song that I want to thank you guys for including it because it doesn't sound like the rest of the album. And because it doesn't sound like the rest of the album, many bands would say, this doesn't fit. Maybe this should go on like a solo album or some other project or something, or maybe a, a, a later album that has a different feel to it. It's stylistically different, but it, so that makes it kind of a good song to stick on the end of the album. Uh, but it's it's a very emotional song. It's a it's it's just an acoustic guitar composition of Alex's that tributes the late Neil Peart. And I, my understanding is that you guys tried to add lyrics to this, but it was just better as an instrumental. Yeah, I'm so glad we didn't. I had I had lyrics. I had been reading um, Neil's book, even you know, and trying to sort of. I, I listened to a lot of stories that Alex had shared with me. It was actually one of my favorite parts working on this album is that I did a Zoom call with Alex and because I wanted to really talk to him about this song before I even attempted to write any lyrics for it. You know, it's such a personal song and I wanted to make sure that if I did anything that I did it right. And, um, you know, I spent time with it and it was really a, a lovely conversation with him, getting to getting to know him a little bit better and, and getting to hear his stories about Neil and, it was just really beautiful and and um that was just such a special moment for me and i feel very honored that he let me even try to be honest like it was uh, it's such a personal song and and i think in the process you know i had lyrics and 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 they worked and and it was pretty and stuff but it wasn't the voice of the song was alex you know and it didn't i felt like the lyrics detracted from it and it wasn't like it's not my story to tell and it's not my song to write and it's not like it's so much better that I wasn't on it and I'm so glad that I wasn't because it's perfect exactly the way that it is and I think it's better for the fact that I'm not on it and and it was just it was really sweet to try and it's really <laughs> sweet that he let me sort of like go through that process and stuff but I think you know ultimately I'm so glad that I didn't do anything on it and that we decided that like yeah, no, let's just keep it the way that it is because it really is. It's perfect the way that it is and says everything that it needs to say and and his voice is the voice that's on that song and, and that's so important and 
um, it's just it's so beautiful and it's it's one of my favorite songs on the record and it is it's such a, a beautiful sort of place to end things you know it's a very mm-hmm. dynamic record it's very thick very full and a lot of heaviness and and then you end it on this really really sweet sort of breath of air and and um i i love it i love that it's different and i and i think it's a perfect way to to end the record yeah one of the things i like about it is that it's as rush fans we don't you know the the band is over and it's been over for a little while now and it's you know we've we've had to go through this trauma of losing neil and there's no you know most of us feel like we knew him even though we never met him because of his writing and because of his his thoughtful lyrics and and his many interviews and things like that but this almost feels like a a way for it feels like closure for rush fans it feels like closure for this is someone from the band who is is putting you know is sort of it's his it's his goodbye it's his um i don't even know what really what the words are but uh it feels like closure for rush fans to me when i listen to it and it's it's hard for me to listen to it without getting all teary-eyed yeah it does and it's it's just so beautiful and you can feel, I think you can really feel the love in that song too, you know, that's, that's what really I think speaks to me about it too, is just that you can hear and you can feel that, that, that you can feel the lifetime in that, in that song, you know, mm-hmm. and it's really, really beautiful. It is. It is. Maya, is there any chance that we will have an Envy of None tour at any point i know you guys are you're all spread out and i know that the world is still kind of a little crazy i think well we've talked a little bit about it i i know that alex doesn't really want to go on any big tours again which i completely understand i mean it's exhausting and Mm -hmm. he's done that most of his life i can't remember the amount of shows he said he's done in his life but it was in the thousands and my mind was just blown (laughs) like that's so many shows and so he understandably you know he doesn't want to be in a tour bus again he doesn't want to be doing that sort of thing but he said he is open to doing a few shows you know like sort of specific shows or we've talked about the possibility of like if i did a tour then we could do like a few big cities for envy of none shows or Mm -hmm. we've thrown out a few possibilities so i definitely think it's possible and you know and who knows coming up there might be a couple opportunities for us to do a song live or do sort of a, a videoed live show or who knows but i think it would be really fun to figure these songs out in a live setting because it has been all virtual and sort of sending files back and forth so i think performing them would be really cool and and just give a different life to these songs um so i definitely think it's it's a possibility i don't think it'll ever be like a big tour but i think there's definitely a possibility we'll do a few shows okay this is not a fair question because this album just came out, but has there been talk of a follow-up? <laughs> yes, there has. Actually, we've just been talking about it. I know that Andy has like a folder of song ideas already and that we've been throwing ideas back and forth. And so I definitely think it's a possibility and there may be some stuff in the works. I'm actually, um, as I'm finishing my own record, Alex is playing guitars on some of these songs on my album as well. And um, I'm going to have Alf and Andy add some some layers to a couple of the songs as well. So there's also that. Uh, it's very different music, very different yeah. genre. But yeah. 
<laughs> so you can check out Maya Wynn on Bandcamp, and you have your own website. Forgive me, is is it just mayawin.com? I'm, yeah. I'm blanking right now. Yeah, uh, if you can spell my name, you can find me. That's the hard yeah. part is just spelling it. Yeah. It's M-A-I-A-H-W-Y-N-N-E. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah. It's, it's, are, you, are you one of those people that has, uh, you go someplace, you, like you'll go to an amusement park and they get the little license plate names with all, uh, license plates with all the little names on them and you're, you never find your name? Never, never. <laughs> my, my mom used to sometimes get me Mariah and then scratch out the R. <laughs> that was her trick, yeah. That's creative. That's creative. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you have the new album coming out this year, solo album. You get, uh, you've already talked about Next Envy of None is sort of in its um, infancy right now. Um, people can buy this album in many, many places, but is it better for you guys if they go to the Envy of None website to buy it? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, there's also some local record stores. Um, it's just always great to support your local record stores. I know they were doing sort of a promotion in Canada. There's like a contest and you could win like a box set, a limited edition box set. And um, if you buy the vinyl, I think you can enter. They're doing a guitar giveaway. They're giving away one of Alex's signature guitars. Um, if you buy the vinyl, you can submit your QR code. There's like a code on the inside and you, mm-hmm. you're entered to win a guitar. So definitely get a vinyl if you're thinking about it. There's, um, I do think the website is a good place to get them, but I think we're also trying to support local record stores too so that's a great cause that's a great cause and you know between this giveaway and the the recent auction is, is alex gonna have any guitars left <laughs> <laughs> i feel so bad i know how much these guitars mean to him he's such a sweet person he's doing it all for charity too yeah. like he really is one of just the most genuine kind people i've ever met and he's doing all this and giving it away and i understand it you know like you want to know that your stuff is doing good things in the world and that you're making that choice consciously and but man i just know it's been so hard for him because those guitars mean so much and as a musician i just like i just want to cry <laughs> i know that that's got to be so hard but he does he has like a, a whole wall of guitars he still has i think he said like a total of 30 guitars still so He's you got know. 29 more than me and he can yeah. play all of them <laughs> all of them much better than i can so <laughs> Maya Wynn, this has been a joy. You are the the voice of Envy of None. You're a tremendous solo artist, and uh, I am. I wish you nothing but the best of luck with with this out, the Envy of None album, your solo stuff, and uh, thank you so much for your time uh, for this show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash michaelsrecordcollection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening.